Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you'd like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course, and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Bill, did you catch me off guard again? Yes, you did. Our power is out, but we're back on. Yeah, our power was out. You know, this is good. We had a guest coming out. Uh, we had a guest schedule for this evening, but unfortunately, our power really did. Honestly, we got uh, we lost power here as well as what? 2,000 homes in the neighborhood lost power? 2,000 homes. Yep. So 2,000 homes lost power, including our radio station here, our radio station. And uh, 
So we weren't sure that we were actually going to be able to make it back on air. We lost power about 5.30, right in the middle of uh, Peter Mittenthal's show, right? What's the name of that? Legal Eagles? Tampa's Legal Legal Eagles. Legal Eagles? (laughs) Eight eight minutes past the hour. (laughs) Yeah, because he always gives, he likes to give the time, doesn't he? Because he's a former broadcaster, so, and he's got a real good radio voice, doesn't he? At any rate, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to, uh, since uh, I don't have a guest, because I wasn't sure whether we'd even really be back on the air. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just carry on with a little bit of dialogue. We're going to play some cool music. As a matter of fact, we're going to dig up some stuff out of the 60s, because occasionally I host a show called Beach Rock Radio, or co-host with Cedric uh, on Friday nights. He's got the Cedric Harris show, and then the bottom half of the hour, we throw in Beach Rock Radio. So we play some groovy, far out, bitchin' 60s, 70s, psychedelic rock, progressive rock, mod music, all that kind of cool stuff. So we're going to play some old classic uh, 60s garage band music. Now, in case you guys aren't familiar with that, garage bands, there's a lot. They're all over the place. Matter of fact, even in my neighborhood, when I first started, when I was a kid and I started playing guitar, um, everybody in the neighborhood had a, had a garage and everybody had an instrument. So, you know, you always had a couple guys with guitars and a couple guys with uh, drums and drum sets and a couple guys with harmonicas and keyboards, you know, electric keyboards, stuff that we could lug around from garage to garage. And uh, so that's kind of how that evolved. Now, the garage band thing is some of the garage bands got, uh, you know, you could go to a local radio station down there and you could do a demo and you can make your own records. Some of those records uh, got picked up and recognized by well-known people at, uh, let's say, Decca Records or Capitol Records or somebody like that. Some of the other record companies back in the day. But at any rate, so we're going to dig up some of that old stuff that I've got laying around. And then we'll just carry on some dialogue about cars. Now, something else I was going to do, I forgot to thank my friends over at Krabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill because last week was our 100th show and they supplied us with, uh, well, we didn't get a cake, but they supplied us with a delicious key lime pie, which Bill was able to partake in some of that key lime pie last week. Right, weren't you, Bill? Yeah, he's trying to set his headphones on. He's trying to do two things. Though. He's multitasking. Yeah, I did get a headache from eating a lot of sugar. <laughs> did you get listen to him? He's not paying attention tonight. But you know what? That's the cool thing about uh, live radio because we're just winging it and anything goes. But like I said, we're just kind of goofing off tonight because that's what we can do because I don't really have a prepared show as a result of the uh, power going down and I had to tell our guests that uh, we may or may not be able to make it back on the air. But nonetheless, okay, so we're going to do that. But I'm going to talk about cars a little bit tonight and jaw jack. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell some cool old stories while Bill's out there trying to find uh, figure out how to make the turntable work. We do have uh, Steve King's Satan is her name. Oh, hey, that's kind of is a cool it, Is it Satin or Satan? Satan, of course. And uh, But anyway, we'll fire that one up in a few minutes. But uh, anyway, so my friends out at uh, Karabi's Beachwalk Bar and Grill was kind enough to supply us with this great, delicious key lime pie. So we had key, uh, we had uh, pie and we had coffee. And then, of course, I had a couple of local guys sitting with me. I had John Woodhouse from Classic Automobile and or also Cop Cars Online. So if you need a classic car or a cop car, uh, you know, some sort of a law enforcement vehicle, give John a call down there at uh, Cop Cars Online. It's 727-536-2677. That's 5- 536-2677. And then also I had Dom Forte of Forte's Inboard and Auto Connection on the air. And I've known Dom for 30 some odd years as well. And uh, so if you need your inboard boat, your ski boat fixed, or one of your classic cars uh, put together according to factory specs, give Dom a call down there at Forte's Inboard and Auto Connection. His number is 727-544-6440. That's 727-544-6440. Bill, you got that grin on your face. Just say, show me the car back. Ha <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, you got my dog? Where's my dog bark? You got to find that one too. Anyway, so that's what we're going to do tonight. And then uh, I'll tell some stories. And then, you know, also one more thing that's going on tonight too is uh, the guys, my friend Robert Yoho and uh, Hazley Hood are hanging out down at the uh, formerly what was known as Sunshine Speedway, which is now known or being referred to as Showtime uh, Speedway or Drag Strip or Raceway or whatever. But uh, they're going to have the grand opening this weekend. But tonight, they're playing around with Test and Tune. So uh, maybe a little bit later, we'll give uh, Robert Yoho a shout, see what he's up to. I talked to him earlier. Ruff, ruff. No, that's not the one from the commercial, Bill. Yeah, the one that Cedric always plays. We have to find that one. You know, from the uh, Baymont Inn commercial, the dog. But anyway, <laughs> anyway so we're going to try to keep it humorous tonight. Well, that's close. But anyway, um, here, Pooch. Here, Dougie. Here, Dougie. Ready for a song? Yeah, let's throw it. Let's uh, turn the, spin the turntable here a little bit. Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout.
checkout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radium Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And you know what? If you wanted to, you could call in tonight. We might even open a line. So give us a shot here at 727 441 3000. That's 727 441 3000. I typically don't do this, but tonight I think I'm in the mood for some dialogue with a stranger on the phone. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what I have a giveaway, okay? Don't I, Bill? I'll tell you what, I told you about, uh, we're actually working to try to get Ted, Uncle Ted, as in Ted Nugent, on the radio show. But in the meantime, I had his company send me some Ted Nugent for president, red, white, and blue bumper sticker. So the ninth caller that calls in, that's 727-441-3000, the ninth caller, 727-441-3000, you will get three Ted Nugent bumper stickers. One that says, Ted Nugent for president. The other one says, I love animals. They're delicious. And you can go check out uh, tednugent.com and check out his sunrise safaris that he has. And also, Ted Nugent, Spirit of the Wild. So give us a call here at 727-441-3000. And the phone's already ringing. Super. A little early, though. But you know what? If you call him, we'll give you some bumper stickers anyway, because I got a few dozen of these babies, so... There's one on my car, and there's one in about 20 other cars running around town already. So we're going to be the official Ted Nugent uh, for president. <laughs> Headquarters, right, Bill? Yeah, I know you're sitting there trying to figure out, find your head. <laughs> we still have power. At any rate, hey, go ahead and roll that clip. I got some, that ought to be some interesting dialogue after this one. It's, it's amazing what uh, what people are into. Got that thing ready? What the? Look, I've never been one to trust a woman behind the wheel. Hold the kids! No! This one's for you, Bill. But strangely enough, some people out there are really into watching girls struggle with their vehicle. Be a good girl. Yeah, sure, I get it, but still, what the f***? It's called pedal pumping, or PP for short. An extremely popular sexual fetish that involves girls cranking up old cars and pumping the gas pedal. Come on, come on, come on. It starts with the male fascination of automobiles, because, well, some dudes just love the sound of an engine revving. <laughs> 
The idea is that by cranking the ignition, the girl is actually teasing the viewer with anticipation for the car to start. Oh, please start for me, please, please, please. Okay, I'm begging. Psychologically, this connects to fetishists with their love for both women and cars. Ah, a two-for-one fetish. No, I'm stuck. On the internet, pedal pumping videos are rampant with over 3,000 clips on YouTube alone, plus dozens of channels and websites like Lemon Pumps, Pedal Supreme, and Chrissy Cranks Cars, just to name a few. Many pedal pumping videos are categorized by vehicle. Whether it's a Buick, Impala, Volvo, or Plymouth, the older the car, the louder the engine, which is just how they like it. You like when I rev my engine, but the most popular videos in the PP fandom focus on the girl's feet. From stockings to fishnets to high heels and flip-flops, pedal pumping is largely classified by psychologists as part of the foot fetish. Let's try it without my heels Although it doesn't end there. Real PP enthusiasts enjoy role-playing videos where girls are stranded outside in a broken-down car that just won't start. It's too hot for these stockings. And if you think that's weird, well, some YouTube users make animated videos of girls pumping the brakes in CG. The appeal with animations is that you can watch the foot from the perspective of the pedal, which otherwise you wouldn't get. Just saying. There's even a pedalpumping.org, which hosts forums for the PP community, and a pedal mall, which sells clips at 5 to 30 bucks a pop. So whether you like them stranded, barefoot, or inoperative... I don't think it's going to start. We're not saying it's wrong to let a woman behind the wheel. We're just saying, what the f***? All right, we're back, right, Bill? All right. Anyway, so, Bill, that was for you because I know you have a foot fetish with women, so I played that one for you. He's laughing really, really, really hard. Everybody's probably going... What the hell? This is a family show. Did he lose his mind? I'm just trying to let you guys know I have a sense of humor, okay? So, all right, we already had two calls. we got two people that have uh, some Ted Nugent bumper stickers here's, on their it, way. Here's what? here's Rob for you. Rob? Yep. Rob, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Rob. Hey, how Robert, you doing? Great show tonight. I was calling him for the Ted Nugent bumper stickers. Super. That's good. That's great good. Great show. All right, well, you got three coming to you. Make sure you leave your uh, name, number, address, phone number, all that good stuff with uh, Billy, and then we'll get these out to you. I okay, actually had. Sounds good, Robert. I actually got some envelopes ready to go. So, uh, and hey, keep listening and tell all your friends to stay on the radio station there. Anyway, all right. So let's go back to some stories. While we're on the subject of uh, pedal pushing, reminds me of the days when we used to hang out here in Clearwater in the seventies. I don't know if there's anybody out there that remembers this. Back in the seventies, we all used to hang out at Steak and Shake on Golf the Bay. That was a big thing. It was around in the sixties, probably before I got here. But I didn't start hanging out there until like seventy one, seventy two. Actually, I didn't have a driver's license back then, but. At least I kind of went there and kind of snacked on the good old tasty fries and the double cheese bacon burgers at the head at uh, Steak and Shake. But anyway, so at Steak and Shake, which was on Gulf de Bay, and I think uh, might have been Duncan Street. And uh, across the street, there was a shopping plaza. And in that shopping plaza was a store, a grocery store, and it was called Pantry Pride. So Pantry Pride became our hangout. Okay, so everybody that had a really, really cool car hung out at Pantry Pride. Like, for example, you worked, you know, all through in the week, and then Friday, Saturday night, that was your hangout. Now, before we got to Golf the Bay and uh, Pantry Pride and Steak and Shake, most people hung out in Clearwater Beach, which is also where I hung out. You know, back in the early days, I had a bicycle. I had a Schwinn, 1966 Schwinn Fastback, okay, five-speed. Hey, that was a cool bike. So I used to buzz up and down that because I was only 14, 13, 14 years old or whatever I was, and then it wasn't until I was 
was uh, 15 and a half. And back in those days in Florida, when you were 15 and a half years of age, you could get a restricted license. And so what I did is because I didn't want to drive a mail cart or something silly like that, you could drive under five brake horsepower motorcycles, which or scooters or something of that nature. So what they did is Honda and Kawasaki and Yamaha. And then there was a company called Aramachi, which was bought by AMF, which was at the time also owned Harley Davidson. They produced under five brake horsepower motorcycles. So those of us that were 15 and a half at the time, okay, so it was within six months of your 16th birthday that you could get a restricted driver's license. So you could ride this under five brake horsepower, so 4.9 horsepower motorcycle on the road. Now, a lot of guys bought Hondas, a lot of guys bought Kawasaki's, a lot of guys bought Yamahas. In fact, in fact uh, one of the guys that I went to school with, Mark, uh, had a little pea green Yamaha 100. And then another guy that we went to school with had a red Honda 100. So we used to kind of buzz around. And then there was another friend of mine, Steve, whose parents owned the uh, Datsun dealership here in town. He had a Trail 70. And me, because I didn't want to buy anything made in Japan, you know, back then we were still kind of partial to American stuff. So I bought something foreign. I went to the local Harley-Davidson dealership, which was Fletcher's Harley-Davidson, which used to be down off of uh, Clearwater Largo Road. Actually, no, I think it was on Missouri and near 8th Avenue. And at that time, it was like a little dump. Right now, it's almost on the same property that uh, the Largo Post Office is on. But in those days, it was like a big open field, and it was this little, little itty-bitty little building, and uh, it was Fletcher's Harley-Davidson. That was the dealership back in the day. And he, you, know, you wandered in there back in those days, and you know you saw a bunch of sportsters. You saw Super Glide, if you were lucky, and of course, some of the big classics, you know. And uh, But they also had some uh, 65cc, they were called Harley-Davidson Shortsters, okay? And uh, then they had the, I think it was a Rapido was the 100, and then they had the um, 125s, 175s, 250s, and they had some scramblers and stuff. So I thought they were pretty cool bikes. They weren't real fast or anything like that, but they were just a little bit different. But for some reason, I had this thing that I wanted a mini bike, you know? Um, I didn't have one when I was younger in California, so I thought, well, this would be kind of cool because I was only going to use it for a short period of time anyway, and then ultimately get a car because I was only six months away from getting my driver's license. So anyway, I bought this little Harley, and if I remember correctly, uh, it was sometime in June of 1972, and I think I, the bike cost me just under 300 bucks. So that wasn't bad, you know? Of course, I always had a job because I worked for my parents. And uh, unlike a lot of kids that were messed up in drugs and didn't do anything, I was pretty thrifty. So I started earning wages at an early age, and I saved my money. So so I had my little uh, Harley Shortster. Well, my buddy Steve lived on Island Estates, and I lived on Clearwater Beach. So just about every morning back when we were in uh, 10th grade, uh, you'd see this little doofus, me, uh, this little geeky little dweeb with a blue helmet, blue bell helmet, buzzing across uh, the Clearwater Causeway. And right about the time I got to Island Way, the traffic light there on, on the causeway, I'd see Steve come whipping around the corner, and he'd be on this Trail 70. Now, my bike would probably go about, oh, 57 miles an hour, 62 with a tailwind. Steve's uh, Trail 70, which had about five more cc's than I did, because I had a 65 cc, he had a 70. For some reason, he had a couple mile an hour on me. So here's these two doofus kids, you know, going to Clearwater High School, buzzing across the causeway, going up Golf to Bay. It's just amazing. We don't think about it back then, because, you know, we just had this freedom and this ability to be motorized, you know, and you had a scooter. You could just go anywhere anytime, any place, you know, and it was really, really neat. So that's what we buzzed around with. So that's what I rode around in Clearwater Beach for a while. And then ultimately, like I said, when I turned 16, I got my first car. And last week I mentioned that my birthday was on a Saturday and on a Monday, which was the 25th, I went and got my driver's license. And the car that I used was a friend of mine's girlfriend's mom's car, which was a 1970 RS Camaro. And it was a pretty neat old car. It was brown, brown top, uh, tan top. Uh, tan interior, automatic on the floor. Uh, I had the rally wheels on it. It was a good-looking car, real good car. Be very collectible today. Anyway, so that's what I got my driver's license in. And then on December 1st, 1972, 
I was uh, on the hunt for, originally I was looking for a Shelby, which was out of my price range. And it wasn't so much the car, it was the insurance, which was insane. And then I was looking for a 356 Porsche, and then the, that, uh, they were, you know, eight nine hundred dollars for a car in 1972 when you're making a dollar eighteen an hour. That was a lot of money. So, you know, everybody was looking for, you know, three dollars $400 cars, $500 cars, um, unless your parents bought you one. And my parents weren't going to buy me a car. They just said, you want it, you turn what you earn. So, at any rate, uh, on Clearwater Larger Road, at Fort Harrison at that time, where O'Keefe's restaurant was, there used to be a big old oak tree behind, beside the building there, off the side street. And somebody told me about an old Healy that was sitting there. So sure enough, I run over there, and there's this really cool 1965 Austin Healy. And I thought, wow, what a neat car. You know, it was kind of ugly, and it had been covered with leaves, you know, oak leaves, and grass was growing around it. So you know the car had been sitting for a long time. Well, I got a hold of the owner, which was a girl, and she had acquired the car from the gentleman that bought the car over originally from Europe, and it was a European model MK3 3000 that he had bought while he was in the service over there. So he had the car for a number of years and sat in the garage. She found out about it because I guess she was a neighbor or a friend of a neighbor or something like that. Well, anyway, so she had the car, and then it turned out that the car was not really practical for her. She had it for a few years, and then, you know, it's just, it's it's British, you know, and they, they had mechanical issues. So unless you were really handy with tools and stuff, uh, it's not the ideal car for a girl. So what she did, she went out and bought a 1971 or 72 uh, Toyota Silica GT, which was actually pretty cool car back in the day and uh so anyway long and short of it i bought that car so i got that car on december 1st 1972 and i was so thrilled with that car but here's the deal when i went over and looked at the car there was holes in the roof convertible top okay it was a 65 and a half so 64 and a half to 65 and a half was the only time they made what they call it mk3 phase one so this was kind of a sought after car now because it was a limited run car and there were some subtle changes before the phase one and there were some changes after the phase one which ultimately resulted in the Faves 2 Heelys, which are fairly popular cars in their own right. So I uh, looked at this car, and when I opened the door, it was full of junk and leaves. So I started, you know, rifling through it and pulling everything out of it. Next thing I know, cockroaches, millions and millions of cockroaches. The Florida State Animal, all over the place, billions of cockroaches. And I didn't have a can of Raid either. Then I see there's no floorboards in this thing. No floorboards. No floorboards, nope. It was just carpet with uh, some rotten wood in it. And sure enough, I mean, you talk about Flintstone Mobile. If I was big enough and strong enough to pick that car up, I could have just picked it up like Fred Flintstone or Barney Rubble and just taken off with that thing. And, uh, hey, we got a yabba dabba do clip there somewhere? Probably we have one. Anyway, oh, it's raining outside. It's raining outside. Oh, no wonder we lost power. You got hit by lightning earlier. Is that what it was? I have the impacts. Don't you dare. Don't you dare? You want, you want to fire up the stereo again? Well, actually, the AM radio, because back in those days in the 60s, that's all we had. So go ahead and yeah, play that. That's kind of oh, a cool fire, song. fire up the old stereo? Well, no, we didn't have stereos yet. We still had AM radios in the cars. And you had one speaker, and it was usually in the dash. So that was a mono system.
Okay, we're back, and when you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I was talking about my Healy, okay, my 1965 Austin Healy. So anyway, long and short of it, I got the car, paid 475 bucks for it, went to Sears real quick, bought me a battery for about 25 bucks, so I had a big whopping 500 bucks in that thing, and I was so happy, so proud. That thing ran so good, didn't skip a beat, but it was just edgy, um, even by today's standards, but it was a cool piece, and uh, quite honestly, I wish I still had it. But anyway, so... I had fixed the floors. I patched it with some other plywood, and then I threw some leftover carpet we had laying around from the motel back in the day. And then what I did is um, it had a real bad exhaust system, and it was nasty. I mean, the carbon monoxide was terrible. And uh, so that was my first car, and I was kind of learning how to shift, and I was going through all the experiences and stuff like that. On the sixth day, December 6, 1972, I was so proud. I was so happy. I went over to the Midas Muffler Shop up on Gulf de Bay, which actually the building's still there, which was uh, probably the first street to the right on Gulf de Bay there, just as you come off of uh, Cleveland Street. And uh, one of the guys that worked there, his name was Roger. He was a good guy. And then the guy in the shop that, was the, that actually did the installations and stuff. Actually, Roger was doing installations back in the day. But anyway, I told him I needed a system for this car, and the whole exhaust system for that car was like 300 bucks. I said, there's no way I can afford that right now. He says, well, we can put a short version on it. I said, a short version? He says, yeah. What we'll do is instead of coming you know, underneath the car and over the rear axle and then out the right rear, we'll just come straight down the side, which would be the driver's side, which is because the exhaust comes off to the right or to the left on that car. We'll put a, like a glass pack on there and then we'll just run the pipe straight out uh, on the left side of the car, and we'll do that for half price. And I said, okay, which that was a lot of money back then. It was 120 bucks or 125 bucks or whatever it was. And uh, so anyway, that's what I did. So I was so happy. Now I finally got this really cool sounding car. And that night, it happened to be the same night that they had the Christmas parade in downtown Largo. I'll never forget that. So everybody wanted to hang out in my Healy. And of course, being a drop top car, I had my sister, my sister's friend, a girl that I liked, a couple other guys. There was like seven or eight of us hanging out of this little tiny little sports car, which was totally illegal at the time. So uh, here we are. We go down there. We follow all the cars in the parade. We're like the last ones, you know. But it was really kind of neat. Nobody really said anything back then. In fact, the laws were a little bit lax back in those days. They didn't really bust you for every stupid little thing like they do nowadays. So the next morning, the next morning, December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, I'm diddy bopping the school in the morning, okay? And what they used to do on Clearwater Beach right by the marina there where the post office is, they used to turn the sprinklers on. So what happens when they had the sprinklers on, water the lawn, water would trickle out into the streets. So consequently, the streets were wet. Well, this I come whipping around there, okay? And just before I get to the Memorial Bridge, this girl comes flying up behind me in this 1973 Nova, okay? She kind of cuts me off because I'm trying to change lanes there because there's a there's a transition in the road, which the car, every time I hit it, it would did hop. Get, did you get mad at her like normal? Nope, I didn't get mad at her. I, I, we didn't have road rage back in those days. But I used the international sign language, you know, the middle finger. But at any rate, so here's what happened. So she cuts me off, and what I did is I swerved back to get back in my lane. But by then, I was on the bridge. And right when you hit the Memorial Causeway Bridge, there was a little dip right there. It would come up, and your car would hop. Well, what happened was is the tires were another issue on that car. They were somewhat bald, but you know, had minimal tread. So suddenly, because the driveway, the roadway was wet, I started the roadway, the Memorial Causeway there. It was wet, and then suddenly my car got into a spin. I didn't know it because when you start going into a slow spin, you don't really feel it at first. So suddenly, here's my car spinning around 360 degrees. I bounce up over the curb. I hit the railing, bust the railing loose from the bridge. As I'm spinning around, I hit the left rear quarter of the, or the right rear quarter of my car hit, 
The left front hit first, okay? When I did, the door flew open, the deck lid flew open, my spare tire flew out, my battery passed me, my brand new battery, which wasn't even tied down, it just kind of went rolling right off to the side, and then went poof, right in the water. My little brass Doop. hammer, it flew off, it wound up in the water. Uh, remarkably, uh, I did not go off into the water, but I did spin around, and next thing I know, here I was in the middle of the bridge. About this time, some guy walks up, or runs up, actually. He was standing there. He was kind of watching the whole thing. He says, I saw that girl. I saw that girl. She cut you off. She cut you off. I said, yeah. Well, I'm 16 years old. I'm nervous. I'm young. I, my first accident. Now I'm scared to death. Cops are probably going to be here shortly. And I'm the only one there. So, you know, I know the consequences because back in those days, if you were the only person resulting in an accident, that was six points on your driving record, which I didn't need that at the time. At any rate, so I said, well, will you stick around here? So when the cop shows up, you know, tell the cop what happened, that uh, it wasn't really my fault, that the road was wet and this girl cut me off. And, you know, I did just, uh, you know, a a, a uh, maneuver to kind of keep the car from, you know, having an accident. At any rate, the cop finally shows up. Guess what? This guy's nowhere to be found. So now the cop looks around, he walks around, he says, hmm, car smashed, busted the bridge up, uh, bits and pieces of Healy scattered all over the place, and I'm limping because my knee, uh, I flew up and hit the dash on my on the, the door handle on the door. So he goes, well, it looks to me like there's only a, a car, uh, no other cars involved in this accident. You're the only one here. And I said, yeah, well, there was a guy that saw the whole thing, and I explained everything. So the cop goes, well, all right, where do you live? And I said, so-and-so, and I see he goes, where are you headed? And I said, to school, and... He calls my mom and dad. And of course, you know, I'm helping my mom answer the phone. What happens? My dad answers the phone. And my dad goes, uh-oh. And so I'm thinking, I'm in trouble now. So the guy gets off the phone. And about this time, uh, about 30, 40 minutes have gone by. And a wrecker shows up. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm in big trouble. And I'm waiting for my dad to show up. Sure enough, my mom shows up. And... uh Fortunately, she's you know real concerned about my health and my well being and stuff like that. My dad probably would have just came over and uh, you know probably grabbed my ears or something like that, pinned the back. But at any rate, so uh, they load up my car and we stand around and wait for that all to happen. And then I get my handy dandy first ticket, resulting in an accident. Now I'm not real happy about that because that's six points and I really didn't want that. Anyway, so I went to school, car went to the body shop. That was the end of that. And then uh, that's another story in itself for another show. I mean, that was a real mess there. But anyway, let's go back to... Uh, I, I have your uh, your 60 song, The Living... You found it? Okay, let's go ahead and let's roll that real quick. That's kind of a cool song. It, it, it's 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 got a... It, all these... It, they're catchy. They're, they look... These people look like they should be in like a chopping chick flick or something. <laughs> like a B-movie? Yeah.
on your way, but don't come to me when she puts you down or when she tells you she don't want you around. Cause she's society's child. Society's child. Society's child. Hey, Rob. Yeah? This here car from Little Rock, Arkansas. We'd listen to you, listen to you show out here. We'd really like it. <laughs> we li- we like you talking about those those B movies and you playing those 60 songs, you know. And I heard your announcer talking about chopping chick flicks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You should have been in the studio here because I was watching Bill do the mashed potato back there until he fell out of his chair. And I, I really like to get some of them uh, Ted Nugent stickers. How, All right. How I go well, back getting that again? You want a Ted Nugent sticker? All right. Leave your name and number with Billy there, and we'll give you. You'll be the fifth person tonight to got Ted Nugent stickers. That's good. That's good. Those things are going like hotcakes. That's what I want to see. And that's what we, we really like him here in Little Rock. I'm sure you do. You guys got guns? Well, I got a I got an old car. I'd like for you to come out here and take a look at out here in Little Rock. Oh, that's a two day drive, pal. <laughs> All right. I really appreciate your show, and uh, you do good work. All right. Well, thanks for listening. So we have a live listener from Arkansas. All right. Anyway, okay. Let's so let's go fast forward. Nineteen seventy two. Nineteen seventy two. Yeah. Nineteen. You had a car from. You had a you had a caller from Little Rock. We did. Well, that's cool. Anyway, so uh, Pitch Pride, like I said, was that's what I was talking about earlier. Um, but that's the place where everybody used to hang out. Nineteen seventy three is when I got my Ranchero. Now that car was a serious oh, piece. Wow, that's four. Yeah, that's uh, that car had. four. Five, well, to start out with, it was had a, basically just a little 351 Cleveland in it, but by the time I got done with it, it had a 500-horsepower Boss 351 in it, which all the goodies I bought across the counter at Carlisle Lincoln Mercury back in the day. So, a little quick story. One time we were at Pantry Pride, and my car is pretty quick. It would probably run 12 seconds on the street, which is fast back in those days, okay, with full power and air. But I had a set of 514 gears in the back of that thing, which kind of helped it get there, because my truck weighed like 3,800 pounds with me, my happy butt, a full tank of gas, and uh, so that was a pretty heavy car, because the cars that I was street racing back in the day... You say you had a happy butt down the same thing? I had a happy butt, yep. Anyway, so the cars that I was street racing back <laughs> in the day... Bill, you... <laughs> but anyway, the cars that I was street racing back in the day were like 31, 3,200 pounds. Now, the way the rule of thumb is, is for every 100 pounds, it's worth a tenth of a second, okay, if you got a car that's uh, hooking up and taking off, okay, so that's the rule of thumb there, so at the other end of the quarter, 100 pounds, a tenth of a second, so keep in mind, if a guy was uh, 500 pounds lighter than me, that's five tenths of a second, that's half a second faster than I was right out of the box, and the problem with the Ranchero was the Ranchero wouldn't hook up, you know, and it was a four-speed car, but anyway, there was this one time where I was over there, we were at Pantry Pride, and uh, actually, I just rolled in there from uh, Steak and Shake, and uh, the guy was by the name of, uh, I'm trying to think. Let's see, he had a kind of a, Newton was his last name. Well, anyway, well, we used to call him Fig Newton. But anyway, he had this little 63 Chevy 2, a box Chevy Nova, and it was called Flame Buggy. He had a killer little small block Chevrolet with a flip nose front end on this thing, and the car was pretty quick. Well, you know, him being a Chevrolet guy and me being a Ford guy, Ford was always kind of perceived as the underdog. But anyway, that car was pretty quick. So one day, somebody decided that him and I should race. Because we both went to Clearwater High School, and it was always a question of who had the fastest car in high school. And at one point, I did. Then next time, uh, John had a car, and Flip had a car, and so it kind of ro- bounced around. Because whatever you do is whenever what everybody would do back in those days is if you had a fast car, obviously you raced. If you got beat, 
You went back to the speed shop, bought more horsepower and or more performance parts. You put them on your car and you try to beat the guy the next week, you know. And sometimes it was always necessarily wasn't always necessarily the case where the car was faster. It's just you may not have hooked up or anything like that. But the Ranchero was just really really bad about that. But it was legendary back in the day because it was a pretty quick car. So anyway, so uh, we decided to, and a whole bunch of guys decided that me and Mister Flame Buggy there should uh, go out and get it on out at the. Courtney Campbell Causeway, we should race. That's exactly what we did. So I went back to uh, a friend of mine's house real quick. We uncapped my car and uh, changed the set of spark plugs. We went out to the causeway. Actually, we didn't uh, uncap it at his place because we didn't want to get caught running open headers on down Golf to Bay. So what we did is we got out to the causeway, let the car cool off a little bit. Then we uncapped it. So at that point in time, we got out there and we staged. I mean, this is just like American Graffiti. That's exactly what we did. And again, I can, I'm, I'm telling you guys that, you know, street racing, yes, it's illegal. But back in the day, it was a lot of fun. It was actually more fun street racing because of the excitement, the adrenaline, everything that transpired because it was real. You know, you're on a street. And street racing was a lot more fun than drag racing. Although we did go to Twin City and we did go to Sunshine and we did go to Bradenton and places like that. But street racing was just street racing. There is no, Anybody that's ever done it back in the day knows. And it's not like it not like the kids that do it today out at, uh, at Gandhi and stuff like that. It's, Courtney Campbell was just kind of a cool place. And it was just real nostalgic. But at any rate, so here we are. We stage, and uh, it's a one-pass run. And I knew that my car was not going to hook up, So, but I knew I had him possibly out-horsepowered. So, you know, because the ranch yard just pulled really hard at the other end. And I definitely had him out-geared because he had a set of, I think, 456s in his, and I had 514s. So, but then I had a weight disadvantage. So at any rate, uh, back in those days, what we did, we didn't have uh, – uh, we either had flags or we had flashlights. So I can't remember my buddy Fritz was out there, and I think he he was the flag guy or the uh, flashlight guy. So flashlight goes on, boom, hammer drops, cars go. All you hear is tires, gears, hammering, tires spinning, smoke coming off the back. Yeah, all that good stuff. Nope, we didn't hit anything. But anyway, my Ranchero, what I would do is, because I knew it would smoke the tires right off the line if I wasn't careful and didn't feather it. Usually, I race that thing from a rolling start, but this time I shot out of the hole. What I would do is I would snap my wheel to the left, and what happens? My rancher had a tendency to fishtail, and when it would fishtail, it would always psych out the other guy on the other side. Sometimes they fell for it and they backed off the throttle. Hey, that's just racing, man. That's just the way it is. And then I would just, you know, once the car started pulling, once I got in the second, third, and fourth gear, the car was gone, and usually I had an advantage. Um, but that time I fishtailed it, but he didn't react because at that point he had a half a car length on me. So as I'm chasing him, I finally get into third gear. Third gear, I start running him down. Fourth gear, I passed him. So I beat him by a clear car length. And uh, everybody was ticked because nobody expected that. And matter of fact, I didn't even expect it, you know, because I thought for sure I went up and smoke off the line and that was the end of that. So that was the exciting time when you could just go out there to the causeway and have a good old time. So anyway, we all came back, and we all sat in the parking lot. And, of course, afterwards, you know, you stand around, and you, you know, walk across, you're taking a shake, and you're drinking milkshake, and you all talk and laugh about it. Uh, another time, I was coming down uh, Cleveland Street, and uh, there was this guy that had this really cool 1970s E28. Very, very, very pretty car. It was a friend of mine, and uh, he was another one that used to pick on me all the time. He goes, I had, keep in mind, the ranch show was 37, 3,800 pounds. It was a heavy car. It was always at a disadvantage. So, and I wanted something different. I didn't want your typical Camaro, your typical Firebird, your typical Mustang, or something like that. I wanted something different because if you got beat by something unusual, you know, that's when you went home and you whimpered. You know, you tucked your little tail behind your legs and or between your legs, and that was the end of that. So, at any rate, uh, this guy had his Camaro, and what would happen back in the old days is you pass somebody going one direction, they would pass you the other direction, and they would just kind of like raise the throttle a little bit. So you hear a little boom, and then you know you do a little boom, you know, and that was kind of like a sign. All right, so one of you guys would turn around. 
And what we do is we kind of pull up beside the other guy, just like in the movie American Graffiti, you know. So you go through a couple traffic lights, and you're kind of sizing up a car a little bit. You're listening to it, trying trying to figure out, you know, how if you don't know the car, you're trying to figure out how he's geared a little bit. You know, you kind of rev it a little bit. You kind of, you know, chirp a few tires, and you kind of roll through the gears a little bit. And then you kind of size the car up. And then you look at the guy, and you see if he's, you know, you, you listen to how he's shifting. You know, if he's a double clutcher, if he's a power shifter, you know, if he's a granny shifter or something like that. You don't always know, but sometimes when you kind of, you know, edge him a little bit. You know, you can get him to you fake him out a little bit. You can kind of get him to kind of you know play around a little bit on the street. So then, what happens? You look for clear traffic, open roadway, and uh, at this point in time, we're both down on uh, the causeway, and we're still kind of playing around, horsing around. We get down past Cleveland Street, down across the bridge. We're on a Memorial Causeway there, and we get to Island Estates. And we get to Island Estates. I knew it was showtime, and he was there at the light. I was there at the light. Light turned green. All you heard was. I mean, tires scorching, you know, smoke, uh, exhaust. Uh, well, anyway, long and short of it, he beat me out of the hole just by a little bit because he, obviously he could hook up. But I'll tell you what, I was smoking the tire, shifting gears. In third gear, I went flying past with the tire still lit. And all I could see him is sitting there looking over at me, watching the tires smoking off the back of my car. And he's like, holy jeez, I had no idea that car was that fast. Well, at any rate, what happened was is he was more concerned with what I was doing, so he kind of wasn't really paying attention. And that's kind of what happens in racing. A lot of times, you know, if you're focused on the other guy, you watch what he's doing, you know, you can, that's actually, you, you're actually handicapping yourself. I remember the first time I was out at, drags, at uh, the drag strip, I was at, uh, back in the old days, it was, um, it was Twin City out in Oldsmar. And uh, I was racing a 1969 Roadrunner against my Ranchero. And at the time, I only had 411 gears in it. Well, this guy had a uh, 411 geared 383 big block, four speed. Well, that's what it said on the side of the car. I don't know what really what was underneath the hood because everybody sandbagged everybody back in the day. But at any rate, so here I am at the light. And, uh, you know, it's the first time I've ever been to a drag strip, and I'll never forget that. I wasn't used to a tree. I wasn't used to any of that kind of stuff. So what happened was is instead of watching the light, I'm watching this guy. So as soon as I see him flinch and make a move, then I did the same thing. The only problem was is by the time he flinched and made his move, he already had a half a car length on me, and then I was trying to run him down. The car ran good back in those days. It was relatively stock. I didn't have a camshaft or anything. I had a little different carburetor, had headers. I had 411 gears in it, and I ran like a 1460 or something like that. And uh, So at any rate, that wasn't very good. So the next time around, uh, one of the guys that I was there with, he runs out to me and says, Robert, look, this time I saw what you were doing, okay? Don't watch the guy in the Roadrunner. Pay attention to the tree. Focus on it. Roll your windows up. Just stay in there. Turn your stereo on. Do whatever you got to do. Just watch the light. That's all you got to do. Watch the light, and as soon as it, it turns green, go. Okay, so, you know, you hit the staging light, get the yellow, and then, of course, it's, back in those days, we, had, we didn't have a pro tree. You just had a regular tree, so it was like, you know, red, yellow, 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 yellow green, boom, you take off. And uh, that's exactly what I did. So the second time out, I ran a 1470. No, the first time I ran a 1470. The second time I ran a 1460. And the third time I ran a 1425. So actually, I got better each time. Uh, but I did get beat by the Roadrunner every time, too. And uh, But we were racing other cars, too. It was kind of like before the days of bracket race. You just went out there. It was kind of like testing, too, which is exactly what they're doing at Showtime Raceway tonight. So anyway, how are we doing there, Bill? We have... Six minutes left in your show. Six minutes left six, in my six, show. Six minutes. Jeez, okay. So we've so far we've had five phone callers. We had a guy from Arkansas. We've given away, what, six bumper stickers tonight. That's actually pretty good. I'm pretty proud of that. And I like... I really enjoyed last week's show. Those guys were characters. Oh, I know. I'm going to have to get some guys like that back on again. You know what? If we didn't have the program, the problem we had tonight, you know, with the... Uh, 
the the power going out and the risk that we might not have a show. I just couldn't have this guy calling in from California. And then, you know, that would kind of be an embarrassing situation for me. So what I had to do is I had to explain to him that basically we had a power outage and there was a good possibility we may or may not have a show. So anyway, so I figured let's just do what we're doing right now. I'll just wing it, tell some stories, lies, tales and stories, as I always say. Hey, I sound like a politician. Lies, tales and stories. I'll tell you what you want to hear. Did you ever did you ever hit anybody or run over anybody? Never, 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 never. Never. You know, the thing about street racing is, is that you really, you know, if you if you pay attention, okay, many of us were really good drivers, and that's where you would hone your skills. Many of us were careful, and we didn't want to have any problems. It was a sport and an American tradition. I mean, it got to be where we would really cool it because you knew the cops were on your ass all the time. But street racing on Friday and Saturday nights, well, it was like a ritual, you know. Keep in mind, a lot of the cops around here, Clearwater, Largo, Dunedin, St. Pete, were also racers. They were also car guys. So a lot of them tend to look the other way. You were racing in Oldsmar when Oldsmar had its own sheriff's department, right? Back in the day, you betcha. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? You know what Oldsmar stands for? You know what the whole story behind Oldsmar? Oldsmobile. Absolutely. It was uh, a town that was... Uh, in fact, there used to be a sign back in the old days that said, Oldsmar, the last frontier. And Ranson E. Olds, okay, of Oldsmobile fame was the guy that uh, built the Olsen Bills, and he came down here. And matter of fact, in the old days, that road is, is a 580. Is that what it is? State Road 580. Yeah, okay. That was the only way you got from Pinellas County to Hillsborough County. That was before the days of the ferry, before the days of the bridge. That was the long way around. And matter of fact, I talked to somebody a long time ago that said they used to take a horse and buggy, you know, stagecoach or a horse and buggy when back was in the it, day. When was it Courtney Campbell built? Uh, Courtney Campbell was built, I think, in the late 20s and then finished in the early 30s. And the Howard Franklin, uh, I believe, opened up around late 50s, uh, 1960 or something like that. But I'm not sure. So this is before the 40s. They had oh, to this take- is way back. Yeah, this is. Yeah, sure. And uh, but anyway, so people, you know, before, keep in mind, you know, we're, I'm talking to some people that their grandparents used to live in this area way back when. But they are telling they the story was handed down to me that it used to take them almost a day to get from here to Tampa, mind you, you know, way down in Tampa. Now, keep in mind, you know, you, we see the coastal area of Tampa, you know, but we're talking, let's say, almost downtown Tampa, let's say over by, you know, Ashley in that area. It would take almost a day to get from Clearwater to, you know, keep in mind the roads and all that kind of stuff back in the day. So, and that was the route that they took. They went through Oldsmar, basically, and uh, Hillsborough Avenue, or what was what is now known as Hillsborough Avenue. So, that's kind of cool. Matter of fact, there's a lot of cool history about this whole area here. And one of these days, we'll get into that, you know, about some of the roads and some of the other areas. And some of the movies that were filmed here back in the day. A lot of the Humphrey Bogart movies were actually filmed in Dunedin and uh, on uh, A1A. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the name of that movie. I can't remember which one it was, but there was a certain scene. And also on uh, Any Rocks Beach. Uh, 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 what? what, what? Uh, I was asking my dad where the racetrack was in Oldsmar, and he says where the ball fields are out there on racetrack now, out there where their ball fields now is where that racetrack used to be. The you're talking about the uh, Twin City Drag Strip. You talking about? Or are you talking about? Yes, the, sir. Well, actually, now it's a vacant uh, subdivision. I think they were going to build houses on it. But back in the day, a couple of race car guys and a farmer kind of got together and just kind of decided, hey, I got this vacant land out here, and you guys like to race cars. And uh, I think there was a guy by the name of Herndon in the area. Um, he got together. In fact, last year we had uh, Don Garlitz on the show, and uh, he gave us uh, kind of a rundown on that whole story and how that all played out. In fact, some of the same people that, that built the Twin City Drag Strip were also the same ones that were instrumental in putting Sunshine Speedway out here, too, which is... 
which used to be a quarter mile well, track. Well, well, we get one of the local yokels who who like to race around here. Well, now John that was here last week, John Woodhouse. John used to race at Twin City, Sunshine, and East Bay, and uh, that track's not around anymore either. But uh, he's got some good stories. We'll have to get him on again so he can tell us some of those. Hey, we got time for one more oldie but a goodie. Let's play another Garage Band song. That was brainwashed by the Shays. Let's go over the top of the hour. <laughs> 
Well, anyway, so that's uh, that's what we did tonight. We just talked, yacked, and I hope you enjoyed the music and uh, some of the old stories about me when I was a punk kid back in the day, and I used to hot rod the street race, and there's many, 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 many more stories like that because we were Hellraisers in the 70s, man. It was a lot of fun. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So drive carefully, stay safe, and love your family. And you know what? Next week we'll be back. We've got a real interesting guest coming on. We'll have some more car stories. So, uh, and thanks for all you guys who called in tonight and got your bumper stickers. That's six out. Hopefully you call in next week. And uh, in the meantime, like I said, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family, and we'll be back next week. Radio.